Welcome to 120 Outdoors, where we talk about how to enjoy the outdoor opportunities we all have close to home. If you love all things outdoors, this podcast is for you to get out and get more out of it. Hi, and welcome to 120 Outdoors. My name is Chris DePaula. And I'm Don Klaus. This is the time of year when spring is right around the corner for us, and so for for many of our listeners, that's time to talk turkey. Yep. Turkey season will be upon us before we know it, and uh, the time for turkeys to start doing their spring thing will be upon us uh, before we know it. But uh, it's not perfect in the world of turkeys in our 120, and in the country for that matter. So today we have uh, an expert to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, we, we have Mark Wiley, who is the forest game bird specialist here in Ohio, and uh, his specialty is turkey. He's the guy in the state of Ohio for turkey. So we got him as a guest uh, today. And I'll tell you, Don, I know you and I have talked about this the past couple of years, and I noticed it last year, and I know a lot of guys, friends of mine that are turkey hunters, have said the same thing. What, what is going on? We're not seeing as many birds. Um, we're not seeing even in the in during the summer months. We're just not seeing a bunch of hens with with poults. You know, something's going on. And here last year, the Ohio uh, Department of Natural Resources adjusted. Uh, this year, we're only allowed to take one gobbler during the spring season. And then now there was also a a measure uh, pushed through and it hasn't been voted on yet. But it looks like in the fall, the fall season this year is going to be cut by three weeks for the fall turkey. So there's definitely something going on. Um, I know a lot of our listeners here have asked us to get Mark on the show again to talk about what's going on with the turkey population in Ohio. And it's not, as you mentioned, Don, it's not just Ohio. Um, it's it's the Midwest, the Great Lakes states. It's the Northeast, Southeast. Um, something's definitely going on, uh, and not for the good. Um, and, and there is some good news here now. I don't want to, you know, put a... Too dark, much cold yeah, water. Too much up. cold water on it, but we've had some issues the past few years, but looks like there may be some light at the end of the tunnel. So um, we just want to jump to the interview, Don. Is that okay with you? Yeah, we had a lot of questions. Yeah. Mark uh, has a lot to say, so let's get to it. Yeah, we had, many of those questions are from our listeners. So let's jump right to Mark Wiley uh, for the interview. Okay, our next guest on 120 Outdoors is a good friend of ours. His name is Mark Wiley, and Mark works for the Ohio Department of Natural Resources, and he is a wildlife biologist, and he specializes in forest game birds he's the turkey expert in ohio basically how about it mark well it's a pleasure to be with you chris and don yeah good to have you yeah mark. same here and i know uh i hate to remind you i'm sure you know every day their phone never stops ringing with the turkey situation here in ohio and certainly yeah it's a it's a time where we're hearing a lot of concern from from hunters and, and turkey enthusiasts we, we've hit a bit of a population depression Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think we're coming out of it based on some of our indices, but we can get into the details of that with some of your questions. Yeah, that'd be great. If you can, Mark, if you could take us back to the beginning here, because I, I know a lot of our listeners, um, they realize that, that uh, Turkey are native to Ohio, but they don't realize um, all the work that's gone in to reestablish that population. Can you kind of take us through a quick recap of what happened and what the ODNR had to do to reestablish everything? I can, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a tremendous success story in wildlife restoration. Uh, we lost turkey, meaning we being Ohio, the state of Ohio. Uh, the last uh, turkey observation 
uh, from more than a century ago was about 1904, 1907, in that that window, um, the early 1900s. And turkey were lost in Ohio for a a few reasons, but the biggest is likely uh, loss of forest habitat. At that time, we were clearing Ohio's forests for agriculture and mining, uh, charcoal furnaces to to, uh, process iron. Um, so, so Ohio looked like a very different landscape at that time, uh, much less forest cover. And that was really problematic for a number of, of species, including the wild turkey. And we also had fairly liberal harvest at that time, both likely legal and, unle- and illegal. Um, turkey seasons did exist in some of the later years, but were very liberal. Um, so it's, it's likely a combination of habitat loss and, and over-harvest, unregulated harvest. Um, so, so turkey were absent from the state for more than 50 years. Uh, in the 1950s, the Ohio uh, Department of Natural Resources Division of Wildlife attempted some, some restoration efforts using uh, essentially what were farm-raised turkeys uh, with some wild characteristics uh, and those were unsuccessful, as, as most uh, efforts with farm-raised birds are. Um, and we were very fortunate in the early 60s, actually late 50s, early 60s, to uh, reach some agreements with other states, neighboring states, and a few states as far away as Florida, um, to, to provide wild turkeys, truly wild eastern turkeys, um, for release in Ohio, and these agreements were made in a number of states, states that lost turkeys entirely like Ohio, with with states that had uh, some wild turkey population remaining. And so in in total, in the early 60s, Ohio received about 150 wild turkeys from a number of states, and those releases in southeast Ohio were tremendously successful. Uh, Forest cover had, had returned to that part of the state, and turkeys did did uh, very well. They they repopulated. They expanded their their range at, during those times. And Ohio actually had its first modern spring season in 1966, less than a decade after the restoration effort began. Um, very limited, of course. Only a few counties were open, and statewide, only 12 gobblers were harvested. Um, but Turkey populations continued to grow, uh, and actually the Ohio Division of Wildlife began trapping birds in those areas where populations were very strong and moving them to other parts of the state. And we did that for more than three decades. Uh, We were trapping turkeys in southeast Ohio and other areas with strong populations and bringing them to to habitat throughout the state that did not have turkeys. And we now have turkey wild turkey populations uh, in all 88 counties, although certainly habitat drives whether those counties have a really strong turkey population, as we see in most of eastern and southern Ohio, or have a, a fairly weak turkey population, uh, but, but likely as, as strong as the, as the habitat will allow. And that's most of our agricultural counties in, in the western part of the state. Very good. Yeah, I'm looking at the numbers here. It's amazing. Like you said, it, in uh, 1966, they harvested 12 birds. Till you look at what we did last year, what was it, a little over 14,000 birds. And that wasn't the best year, obviously, the 14,000, but that's amazing. And 
that wasn't that long ago, you know. Um, it was not. No, yeah. I, I mean there are there. Are, I certainly have uh, callers that, that call in about turkey regulations, or I have uh, questions about about the Division of Wildlife and turkey management, and they can remember some of those restoration efforts. Uh, many of them, or, or they can remember when turkeys were brought to their home county, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's it's uh, as I mentioned, it, it's a tremendous. Uh, success story in wildlife restoration in Ohio. Yeah, it's funny, Mark, I have a friend of mine, and I won't mention his name on here because he'll be embarrassed, but he always, every time I see him, we start talking turkey, he reminds me, hey, remember, I'm the first guy to shoot a wild turkey in Ashtabula County, so he, he makes sure he tells me that. <laughs> every every yeah. time I see, he's real proud of that, so. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, too, I, uh, and as I mentioned to you before we got on air, I have a couple of buddies of mine that are ready to jump, you know, uh, because of the, they're really worried about the turkey population, which is a good thing. I'm, I'm glad that a lot of the, uh, the outdoorsmen and sportsmen are concerned about the turkey. And the big th- I think that what the alarm went off was when you guys made two announcements. That first announcement was that we're going to go to just one gobbler in the spring starting this year which I think was okay. You know, I think that's a really good idea. Um, and I know I heard some grumbling from a couple of my buddies, but really scared everybody was the proposal that uh, the fall season be cut by three weeks. And that kind of Understood. set, you know, it kind of set off an alarm mark. You know what I'm saying? And they, they're like, well, we need to know more. Why are they doing this? Um, what does that mean? So that's part of the reason why we got you on the show here so you can help us answer those questions. So can you kind of take us through uh, the decision-making process there? On, on how that was taking place? I can, yeah. Yeah, so let me start with, with the population currently, um, because as, as you mentioned, that has been a point of concern for, for a few years with, with many hunters. They, they may have seen more, fewer turkeys in the woods. They may have heard less gobbling than they're used to over the past few years. So I, I would really like everybody to understand what we know about recent population trends and and so I'll, I'll go back to that restoration effort. We watched that turkey population grow for decades and decades and decades. And that population appears to have reached a peak in the early 2000s. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, reached a peak in the early 2000s. That's when we see our highest level of spring harvest. Uh, we, we saw our highest number of turkey hunters at that time, and many of our indices were extremely high, population indices of reproduction and so forth. So after that peak, uh, the population appears to have leveled off, and that coincidentally is the time that we opened spring turkey hunting statewide uh, because we had populations in all those counties. Uh, So what we believe to have happened at at that time, the early 2000s, is is wild turkeys occupied all 88 counties and probably occupied most of the available habitat at that time. There was a little bit of room for expansion still, uh, and we were still moving turkeys a little bit. But uh, the way I'd like hunters to think about that is is we had this empty space across the state, and the restoration was filling that space with turkeys. We reached a point where we were nearly full. The state was nearly full in the early 2000s. And so something had to change. Populations could not continue to grow at that time or, or any further beyond that time. And so if you look at the indices of, of wild turkey abundance, principally spring harvest is a a good metric to look at. It reaches sort of a tabletop in the early 2000s and becomes very level, flat. Uh, We 
the caveat there is we certainly have really good years and then bad years, and it fluctuates up and down. It's every every three or four years it seems we 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 have a really good spring season, a couple moderate spring seasons, and a bad spring season. Um, and so we've done that for about 20 years now. Most recently, we've had a string, unfortunately, of, of bad years. And, most, and that is driven, as, best, as far as we can tell, by poult production. So the success of nests and the survival of young poults. And the reason I can say that is we it's a summer brood survey in which the public sends in observations of broods and hens, all wild turkeys, in fact. We just filter out the, the observations of, of uh, hens and poults. And that gives us a metric for the state and for regions within the state for how many poults per hen. And the more, the better, generally, for the turkey population. When we see that index go up or down, uh, just a few years later, that's that's the trend that we see in the spring turkey harvest. So when I say that population has been fluctuating up and down and up and down for the past 20 years, we've watched that poult index fluctuate up and down and up and down. And then when those poults become two-year-old gobblers, they show up in in large number in the spring harvest, mm -hmm. and we see that that spring harvest up and down and up and down. And similar with gobbling rates and with hunter reports of, of success and observation, the, the poult index is a, a really useful tool for predicting what's coming down the pike. So let's, let's fast forward to the, the most recent few years. We had unusually poor poult production in 2017, 2018, and 2019, um, largely attributed to poor weather. Uh, in, in most areas of the state uh, during the nesting season in each of those years. Uh, weather has, has a, a large impact on, on nest success as well as poult survival when they're very young. Uh, any form of inclement spring or early summer weather can be really problematic uh, for, for both nest, nests, nesting hens, and, and, and hens with young poults. Um, and that, and that can be broad. That can be statewide impact on nesting. So it, it, what was very unusual recently is to have three really poor years in a row. We, we had not seen three consecutive years like that. Um, and, and what that led to was a, a, a continued decrease in not only spring harvest in the subsequent years, uh, 18, 19, 20, and 21, um, but... Um, continued de de decreasing hunter satisfaction as well, and that becomes important when we start to consider things like spring regulations and fall regulations. So uh, fortunately, we have seen improvement in the poll index. 2020 was an improved year uh, near our average uh, of 2.7 polts per hen, and then 2021 was an excellent year. Uh, we saw 3.1 poults per hen statewide. Every region of the state had improved poult numbers. Uh, so, uh, and I've had uh, anecdotally a few hunter reports from this fall of seeing very large flocks, much larger flocks than they've seen uh, since 2018. Um, and, and so, uh, based on those indices and a few anecdotes, it does appear that, that 
the population is swinging back in, in a positive direction. And we should see improvement uh, as early as spring 2023. And that is because those, those poults produced this past summer, 2021, uh, will be two-year-old gobblers in 2023. Uh, Mark, you've mentioned uh, that weather is a huge deal with the survival of the poults and nesting success, and it's a big state. Are there any parts of the state that have been, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I'll say immune to the, the bad weather or have it better than, than most, or is it pretty distributed? Um, in 2021, it, it was, as I mentioned, poult numbers were, were good, well above average statewide. Uh, typically, in a, uh, in a typical year, I will say we do often see regions of the state do better than others. Uh, so, so as an example, maybe southeast Ohio does well and northeast Ohio does poorly. And, and there could be some weather explanations there that, that I have yet to, to figure out exactly. Uh, I mean, if there's something obvious, I, I'm stuck in central Ohio most of the spring and summer. Um, so I might not know what's going on in each corner, uh, flooding and weather events and so forth, unless I hear it from our regional staff. Um, but absolutely, we can we can see regional impact, uh, and that's not just with weather. We we can see regional impact with periodical cicada emergences, which we've had a few in the past few years, and those can have a really positive impact on poults in that region. Um, and so, so it's not always a statewide index. At times, we we can see really positive trends in one corner of the state and a negative trend in the other corner of the state. Now, I know you have your eyes on Ohio, but uh, do you get an understanding of how things are in, in our broader region of the Midwest? Uh, are, are they similar? We certainly try to, yes. We work, <clears throat> excuse me, we work uh, pretty closely with um, our neighboring states, uh, P- Pennsylvania and Indiana, uh, Kentucky specifically. Uh, I, I, especially when we have proposals to regulation changes like like Ohio has seen recently. I try to bring those neighboring states into the loop, make sure they're aware, um, and, and those sorts of things. But with poll trends, we, we submit all of our poll data to a, a technical committee, which is uh, part of the National Wild Turkey Federation. Uh, I, I sit as a representative on that technical committee, as do biologists from uh, all the states with, with wild turkey. Um, and we share that data. We, we compile it so that we have more regional indices um, and can discuss widespread changes. So many of the, many of the patterns that Ohio sees in poll production, we also see in, in neighboring states. Uh, good years tend to be good years for all of, all of those adjacent states, with some caveats, of course. Um, but certainly, we we do our best to to work collaboratively with our neighboring states. Mm, very good. I want to back up to one thing you mentioned. Uh, you you uh, mentioned that cicadas had a positive impact. Chris was sharing with me some numbers. He's a numbers guy, and he was telling me about some of the the turkey numbers in years adjacent to those those big uh, cicada emergences. So uh, could you touch on that and how, how specifically they, 
they get into the mix uh, for the turkeys? Certainly. Um, so, so as poults emerge from eggs, uh, they've got two missions, essentially, two objectives. That is to, to stay alive, stay away from predators, and to consume as many invertebrates uh, as they can. They need a very high-protein, high-fat diet to grow rapidly to, to a, a stage where they've got flight feathers and, and large body size where they can get a, better evade those predators, start start tree roosting and, and being a little more safe at night. So a periodical cicada emergence is really unique uh, for anybody that's not experienced one. It, it is a mass emergence uh, of big cicada uh, in the in the early summer months. So right timed really well with when we've got poults on the ground, turkey poults. Um, and so it is, it is essentially an abundance of food within the regions uh, that those emergences occur. They're regional, um, and I don't want folks to confuse those with the, the sort of dog day cicadas, the cicada that come out every year, mm-hmm. and maybe you see one or two. We're talking thousands on the ground and tree trunks and tree branches. Um, so it really is a, a, an abundance of, of food for these young poults. And what we see, though we can't exactly explain the mechanism, we, we, can, we can make some educated guesses. Uh, those poults have all the food they need. They don't need to go out searching for food long distances, which is always very dangerous for those poults. That's when they're likely to encounter a predator of some form. Uh, so they get all the food they need with, with very little effort. It's likely they grow rapidly. It's also likely that the predators that are often out maybe searching for, for prey like young turkey poults, those are also eating those cicada because they're readily available. And so maybe some predation pressure comes off of those poults in addition to having an abundance of food. But what we see in the late summer, which is when we conduct our poult index, is in the regions of the state where we have those periodical cicada emergences. Poult numbers often skyrocket, get very high numbers, uh, up above four poults per hen, which wow. I mentioned earlier. Our statewide average is typically 2.7, 2.6, 2.7. Uh, and so if, if you follow that trend, again, if you follow our poult index, typically the poult index predicts what we can expect in the spring harvest two years later. So in those regions where we see a cicada emergence and we see a bump, bumper crop of poults, typically we see uh, spikes in spring harvest two years later. So, so as, as you mentioned, uh, if, you, if you look at our history of spring harvest, uh, statewide spring harvest in Ohio, you'll see some spikes in, in individual years. Uh, 2001 was a spike, I believe 2009 or 10. Um, 2018 was our third har- highest harvest in state history. Each of those years is two years following a, a, a periodical cicada emergence of some form. So there's almost no doubt that those emergences have tremendous impact on turkey numbers. Oh, it's nice, nice to hear they're good for something. I, I, I never heard anybody say, "Oh, good, they're back." You know, they, I see yeah. the dead branches. It's nice that there's a positive that comes from. Them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Hey, Mark, uh, jumping back to the to pulp production, uh, I know I, we talked a little bit before we got on air 
last spring I, I was out walking doing some habitat work and I kicked up a hen and I was very careful. I didn't want to walk on the nest or anything. So I had a hard time finding the nest. But once I did find the nest, I went, I counted, I think there was eight to 10 eggs in there, something like that. Can you kind of take us through that, how exactly that process works? You know, how long does it take her to lay those eggs? What's the average number in a clutch? You know, how long does it take her to lay those eggs? How long will she, will it take to hatch? And how long will she stay on the ground with those poults? Can you kind of take us through that? Because um, I know you mentioned on our show we had you on last year, that's the dangerous time for not only the, the poults, but also the hens from predators. So kind of take us through that life cycle there a little bit. Okay, I, I, can, I can certainly try. Um, so the hen, when she initiates a nest following, following breeding, and she'll actually continue to breed, uh, she'll seek out gobblers and, and breed through the laying period uh, often. Um, that's a, that's a, I throw that in there because that's a question I often get from the spring hunter. Is, is, is she done after one breeding event or no, she'll, she'll actually uh, continue breeding many times. Then she'll, once a nest is initiated and sort of that, that shallow uh, depression is formed, um, hopefully in a well-concealed area, and I was glad to hear you say you were doing some habitat work, uh, nesting habitat is, is vitally important. Those hens need good areas to conceal their nests and young poults. So she'll, she'll uh, initiate that nest. She'll lay an egg about every day and a half. Uh, so approximately every day she can she can lay an egg, and a typical clutch is about 11 eggs, okay. uh, at least for a first attempt. Some hens will, if their nest fails, they will attempt another nest, and often that clutch is a little bit smaller because she's already expended a lot of resources. But an average clutch size, we'll say, is 11. And once she reaches that full clutch size, she'll begin incubation, so she... Uh, while she's laying, she's, she's often, she deposits an egg and then she's off gathering resources to, to help her form that next egg for the clutch. Uh, during incubation, the behavior changes considerably and she stays on that nest, warming those eggs uh, almost throughout the entirety of, of the incubation period. She will come off at different times, often in the afternoon during the warmer hours of the day and probably do some feeding and, and other things. Uh, but for the most part, she's, she's on that, uh, that clutch of eggs for about 26, 27 days. That's the, that's the time it takes from initiation of incubation to, to hatching. Um, and if she has concealed that nest well, and if she has a little luck, uh, she will reach the point where those, that clutch hatches. Generally, uh, hatchability, the number of eggs that, that are going to hatch in the clutches is, is very high. Fertilization rates are typically very high. And then uh, the number of eggs, if she's got 11, typically she's going to hatch 11. Um, so then those, those uh, very young poults, um, they're, they're not going to stay in the nest. The, the female does no care of, of the young really inside the nest. She's not like a songbird bringing food to, the, to those young poults. She's going to take them out, and they've got to begin foraging on their own very quickly. Uh, they're pretty mobile, even at a very young age, uh, and that's why the, I mentioned that vertebrates and, and a high-protein, high-fat diet are, are very important. Those young poults uh, need to start feeding very quickly, and, and that's what they need is, is invertebrates, insects, and so forth. 
Um, and they are both the hen and the young poults are extremely vulnerable at that time because the poults, of course, cannot fly until they're two to three weeks of age. And so at that time, they're extremely vulnerable to any manner of or any sort of, of predator, avian predator, hawks and owls, but mammalian predators as well. Um, and really anything can make an opportunistic meal of a very young turkey poult. Uh, so if that hen is fortunate, she'll, she'll take her 11 very young chicks. Hopefully she can get uh, a good number of them, let's say half, uh, to a stage uh, where they can fly at, at let's say two to three weeks um, and, and they can begin roosting at trees at night prior to that they had to roost on the ground because the poults couldn't fly again a very vulnerable time but if she can get half or more of those poults to the flighted stage at three weeks they can begin roosting in trees they're far less vulnerable to mammalian predators at that point still very vulnerable to hawks and owls certainly um, and, and that that hen, she'll stay with those uh, poults throughout the entirety of the summer. She'll actually likely join up with other hens and their poults if they have any remaining. That's why in the, as you get into the late summer months, often hunters will, will see a, a few hens together with a very large number of, of poults, you know, three hens and ten poults or, or, or the like. Uh, they'll start to form up. Uh, into what what likely becomes their fall and winter flocks at that time and it's hens coming together with their broods that hen has done a, a, an excellent job if she can get three or four of those poults to uh, near adult size and at that time their survival rates increase considerably they're far better adapted uh, to evade predators uh, and and their survival rates increase considerably. So that's why with that poll index, uh, I mentioned our statewide average is about 2.7. Uh, so uh, the way to look at that is the average hen on the Ohio landscape, if, if she can produce 2.7 hens, or 2.7 poults, excuse me, uh, we're, doing, we're doing moderately well, and anything above that uh, we're doing we're doing much better. Of course, that is an average. So you're going to have many hens that have zero poults, were entirely unsuccessful, and you're going to have other hens that have done far better and maybe pull additional poults more than three uh, into adulthood. So, okay. I don't yeah. know if I missed any anything there in the in the reproductive effort, but as you mentioned, it is tremendously important for the wild turkey population. Reproduction is the engine that drives. Uh, Ohio's wild turkey population. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, the the other question I, I have too, as far as when we set the seasons um, in Ohio, if I if I understand this correctly, the they've already done the breeding, um, and then we have the hunting season. Correct. We're not hunting during the breeding season. Correct. Or is it or is, um, is it the other way around? Par, you you are partially correct there. Okay. And I'll I'll, I'll do my best to explain the, the spring season. Uh, spring season regulations, I should say. It is vitally important that, that the state wildlife agency times the spring season properly because there, there is the potential for impact to reproduction. And that is because spring season is coming in sort of uh, in, in at the midpoint 
of the reproductive okay. effort, okay. the breeding season. So actually the date that, that we hinge our season on, and many other state agencies do as well, um, is, is the median date of incubation, initiation of incubation. And so for studies where we have monitored wild turkey hens, we document uh, for, for all the hens as part of the study, we document the date that that hen initiated incubation of her first nest. And then we look for the midpoint, the median within those dates, uh, which for a, a Southeast Ohio study in the early 2000s, uh, I believe it was May 1st. And then we, we build our spring season around that. Um, and, and the ideal goal or the objective is to ensure that the bulk of hens have, have had an opportunity to breed or are successfully fertilized and may have even initiated a nest by the time we introduce the spring hunter to the woods. Um, and so even though the spring hunter is not tar targeting a, a hen necessarily, um, their, their impact in the woods is, is both one uh, a slight disturbance but also they're removing males without a doubt, removing males from the population. So even though the, those gobblers perform a very minor duty, I, I, I hate to downplay the, the uh, responsibilities of the male wild turkey, but essentially fertilization is, is their only responsibility in that really important effort. Um, so before hunters start taking gobblers out of the woods, we want to see the majority of our hens fertilized and, and moving on to the nesting phase. That way we can ensure that hunting in the spring has minimal impact on turkey reproduction. We absolutely would not want to see reproduction uh, reduced or, or hindered in any way because of hunting in the spring season. So, so actually Ohio's rules for, or, or guidelines I should say, for the spring season uh, in the south zone are now the Saturday closest to April 21st. And that is based on that nesting study I mentioned in southeast Ohio. Mm -hmm. uh, that is the guidelines on which we base spring seasons in the south zone. And then the northeast zone, interestingly, was established in 2017 following a, a separate nesting study in that region. And there was public concern and hunter concern that nesting was occurring later than those dates we identified in southeast Ohio. And, and those hunters and, and constituents, members of the public, were correct. Uh, we conducted that study in, in 2015, 2016, and we did find later nesting dates in northeast Ohio than we found in southeast Ohio. And so actually the, the, the dates are slightly different in northeast Ohio, as you may mm -hmm. be aware, in the northeast zone the season guidelines are uh, to open the season on the Saturday closest to May 1st. Okay. And so for folks that don't understand why you see dates jump around year to year, uh, why sometimes the south zone might open in the third week versus the fourth week, or similarly with the northeast zone, why the, the opener might sometimes be in late April or early, or early May, it is because the of those rules that I just mentioned, opening on the Saturday closest to April 21st or in the Northeast zone, May 1st. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense now. Okay. Very good. 
All right. Well, we've we beat up the uh, reproduction and reproductive success. Uh, we know the other big deal, the and the one we're working on is is habitat. Can you tell us about um, what might be happening to improve that element of of the turkey success? Uh, we know the, the USDA's got some monies involved, and would you care to to share with us uh, what uh, what there can happen there and what an individual might do? Great question. Yeah, habitat is is vitally important to all aspects of of wild turkey survival, reproduction, and so forth. As as with any wildlife populations, typically the trends we see boil down to changes in the availability or quality of their habitat. Fortunately for the wild turkey, um, they're, they're what we would consider a forest generalist, meaning they can use a broad variety of habitats. As I'm sure you've witnessed, you can find turkeys in deep, uh, large tracts of forest cover. You can find turkeys in agricultural landscapes. And you can find turkeys in a, a urban park in, in the middle of, uh, you know, a highly developed uh, suburb or or or, uh, or city. Um, turkeys are, are extremely adaptable. They have a few needs, uh, largely tied to forest cover. You won't often find turkeys in Ohio, outside of areas with uh, with substantial forest cover. Even in those agricultural areas, you're only going to find those birds near some of the largest forest tracks. Um, so, so turkeys are, are fortunate in that they're very adaptable, a little bit like, like deer are. Uh, they can, they're highly mobile. They can move to the areas they need to, but they are going to be somewhat tied to forest cover. And that's where we focus our efforts in wild turkey habitat management is, uh, it's a difficult thing to create a forest where there is not forest, certainly, but we can do things to improve our existing forest cover, uh, namely management of invasive species, which can be problematic for a lot of wildlife, including wild turkey. Uh, we can do management to, for regeneration of oak, uh, which acorns are a vitally important uh, food resource for wild turkey. So, so that's a common effort that you'll see on public land and, and emphasized for management of private land. The program that you mentioned through uh, the Natural Resource Conservation Service, often referred to as NRCS, um, is a, a habitat management program for Ohio landowners um, focused on wild turkey nesting and brood rearing habitat. And the program name, and it, there, are, there are various efforts under this uh, program, the, the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, EQIP, is, is sort of the acronym and, and shorthand for that. Um, so there are, there are other EQIP programs available to landowners in Ohio and other states. This one was unique in that it focused on wild turkey at a time when wild turkey numbers were depressed, as we, as we discussed earlier. Um, NRCS recognized the importance of pulp production to the, to the Ohio wildlife or Ohio wild turkey population. Um, this program was developed very quickly. Uh, the Ohio Division of Wildlife contributed in every way that we could. We were thrilled to have such a, a, a wonderful 
opportunity for Ohio landowners. And again, it focused on improving nesting habitat, brood-rearing habitat on private land in Ohio, which I'm, I'm sure you and your, your listeners are aware that Ohio is uh, has a, a, a massive amount of private land, and more than 90%, I believe, of Ohio is privately owned. So, so the bulk of the, the vast majority of our wild turkey populations exist on private land and rely on habitat provided by private landowners. Um, so this program, unfortunately, the, the sign-up period has passed, at least for the initial phase. Uh, I've heard that it was tremendously popular uh, and hopefully will be very successful. Um, the, the program offers uh, incentives for landowners to, to do some of the management actions, like I described, invasive species control, um, improving the, the stand and or the composition and structure of their forest habitat on the, on properties they own, um, with a specific focus on nesting habitat and brood-rearing habitat, which principally the difference that you'll see in that type of habitat in any forest stand that you might encounter is creating some openings that are going to allow vegetation to grow at the ground level. That's where those nests or where those hens need cover to conceal their nests. And that's where poults need a little bit of cover to evade predators and, and chase down those invertebrates like we discussed earlier. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that uh, they've had a lot of uh, re- good positive response to that program. Um, I actually had uh, those guys come out and evaluate um, our property, too, up in Astabula County. And I know the day they came out, I think we had a foot of snow on the ground. Uh, but they still came out, and uh, they were troopers. They they you know, evaluated the property. And here, Don and I are already doing a lot of what they, they recommended. We're already working with um, the private land uh, biologist in Ohio here and uh, also with a private company too. So um, not that I wouldn't qualify for it. I, I didn't want to take advantage. I figured let someone else have access to that funding when Don and I are already doing it. But he said he had, a, and this was in Ashtabula County, they, they had a very positive response. So I'm glad to hear that, Mark. I certainly am very glad to hear that as well. Yeah. Yep. So one other question, kind of uh, going back a little bit to the uh, bag limits and stuff like that and, and managing the state. I know the state's broken down into two areas. We have basically the, the southern part of the state and then you have the northeast corner. And mainly Dawn and I hunt that northeast corner of the state there. Um, has there ever been any consideration into managing, breaking the state down into other like little management districts? I know the, some of the neighboring states do something similar to that. And it's complicated. I know that'd be very complicated for the hunters too. But do you think something like that would be necessary? And if, if so, how would we do that? I mean, it's it's. Uh, I don't know if that's more complicated than it's worth. Uh, well, for it to be necessary, we would we would likely need some biological justification. Okay. Um, and that's what we that's what occurred um, in the in the establishment of the northeast zone. Uh, so, so as I mentioned, we had concerned hunters, concerned residents in that corner of the state, uh, suggesting that maybe the existing spring turkey season prior to 2017, when we had a statewide season, mm-hmm. um, suggestions from those folks that that season might have been too early. It was actually possibly detrimental to, to wild turkey in that region, specifically because your winters are a little more severe in terms of snow cover 
and duration of, of snow cover. Um, and so, so that, that prompted a nesting study in that, in that corner of the state that did show bio, biological justification for a later season and subsequent establishment of the Northeast zone. So um, at this point, we, though we do occasionally receive questions about additional uh, zones, uh, we are certainly concerned uh, about complicating regulations, as mm-hmm. you described. Yes. Um, but but we also do not at this time have a clear biological justification. Uh, the northeast zone was unique because it receives lake effect snowfall, as I'm sure you two are, are well aware. <laughs> We're up, up to our knees in it. Yeah, right right. unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> so that, that was a... That was a unique corner of the state, which which we feel like probably has has substantial impact on on, on uh, wild turkey survival and and reproduction, uh, which is why it, you really only have snowbelt counties included in that northeast zone. So, uh, you know, turkey research uh, doesn't occur every year. Um, as I mentioned, we're we're still using dates from the early 2000s, which for some doesn't sound like that long ago. For others, seems like a lifetime ago. Uh, but that's common in, in wildlife management to use uh, to use older studies, studies that might be decades old for for uh, sort of baseline uh, population demographics. Unless you have reason to believe that uh, the study was not, did not provide accurate information on, on Ohio's population, or unless you have reason to believe that something major has changed, uh, you don't often see repeated studies frequently every few years. It's very likely we will revisit wild turkey nesting dates in the near future. I, I fully anticipate in the next few years we'll likely see proposals for uh, to re-examine those dates and make sure that we've got them right, make sure that, that nothing has changed or or, uh, or dates have shifted in any way for whatever reason. So I expect that we'll revisit those dates and, and, and in revisiting that and in, in redoing that research, uh, that would be when you might see potential changes either to the dates that we use to set our full south zone or northeast zone. Um, or establishment of a new new zone of some form. But it would take some clear biological justification for us to do that. Sure, that makes total sense, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, that answers my question there. Hey, just a general question here, too. Don and I were talking on the way in here this morning. Um, you know, we, up in parts of Ashtabula County, Mark, there, there's about 30 inches of snow on the ground, seriously. Um, what are the turkeys? How are they making it through this? Because we've had snow on the ground now, and I'm talking a, a good amount of it for, as you know, deep. Yeah, deep snow for for well over a month now. How do they make it through a winter like this? During these these difficult periods and deep snow snowfall and snowfall of of that persists on the landscape for long duration, that's that's challenging for wildlife of all forms. Uh, but certainly upland upland birds and wild turkey in, included. It's, it becomes far more difficult to access food, which is often on the ground during this time of year. Even waste grain 
you know, in agricultural fields, which uh, are, are common food sources for turkey, but also acorns, uh, which are a very important food resource. Um, they're they're on the ground under often underneath that deep snow cover. Uh, so so wild turkey will certainly be pooling from their fat reserves uh, during this period to try to persist through it. But they are, you know, they're a big hardy bird, and I'm sure you have seen their scratches in mm-hmm. the fall in, in the woods. Uh, they can turn over leaves and dirt uh, to a pretty good degree to to, to find food. Uh, on the ground they can do the same uh, they're capable of doing the same in the snow certainly far more capable than some of our smaller upland game birds Mm -hmm. Um, but but certainly searching for food during this period is is very difficult uh, much more difficult than in the fall late summer or fall Um, so they as i mentioned they're they're adaptable birds this is the time of year that many folks might see a, a a large turkey flock wander up to a feeder mm-hmm. um even even a bird feeder in the yard uh, they're they're really in uh emergency mode trying to find any any sort of, of food resource that they can uh, i mentioned waste grain and in, in agricultural fields those can be tremendously valuable in the winter um yeah, so so yeah it's it's a challenging time for turkeys uh, survival is is much better than uh, many of our other upland game birds, pheasants and quail, as an example, through the winter. But uh, periods like this can certainly uh, be a, be stressful for them. It's it's likely even those that survive probably come out of this in worse body condition in the spring than they would have otherwise, and that can have some impact on reproduction at at, at times. Hmm. Starting out a little weaker that way. Yeah. Hmm. Now. Uh, Chris mentioned that uh, that we've done some habitat improvement, and we have the ability to do that uh, at his place. But is there anything that the average turkey hunter can do to make turkey hunting better? There are a few things. I, I certainly get these questions, uh, in, and with any sort of habitat management for wild turkey, whether you're talking manipulation of, of cover uh, in a, a forest or a woodlot, or uh, an herbaceous field, a CRP field of warm season grasses, cool season grasses, or even uh, a, you know a, a food plot of some sort. What I typically re- recommend <clears throat> is landowners look at not only their own property, uh, but neighboring properties and identify what's missing. Uh, so of the of the habitats that wild turkey use and utilize during the different times of year. Uh, you know, food, whether it's food resources in the in the winter and safe roosting areas or open fields, uh, open areas uh, that you commonly see birds displaying in the spring um, or nesting and brood rearing areas like we described earlier, uh, figure out what, what piece of that puzzle is missing, and that should be your focus in habitat management for wild turkey. So as an example, if you own... Uh, 50 acres that are mature woods, mature forest, and it's surrounded by every neighbor who also has mature forest on the entirety of their property. Uh, there's more than enough mature forest there, and maybe maybe what you should focus on is a forest opening of some form uh, 
uh, which could serve a number of purposes. When initially opened up, that might be a display area in the spring that, that uh, gobblers seek out uh, a good spring hunting area for the landowner as well. Um, but then as that opening fills in with ground-level vegetation, it becomes important uh, as nesting habitat or brood-rearing habitat. Um, if you live in an agricultural area, as we mentioned before, you might be very short on forest cover in general, and that can be a difficult thing to change. But turkeys will also use herbaceous fields, uh, warm-season grass fields, cool-season grass fields that are commonly uh, created through uh, the Conservation Reserve Program, often referred to as CRP. Uh, that can a, a change like that, uh, enrollment in a, in a CRP uh, program of some form, uh, can can draw turkeys to an area. It's perennial cover that can be used as nesting and brood rearing habitat. Um, so so I it, it, the same would go for any any form of food plot. I would certainly encourage folks to first work with a, a private lands biologist within the Division of Wildlife or a for, forest servicer, a service forester, excuse me, within the Division of Forestry to first identify any problems with forest habitat on your property, anything that needs to be addressed like um, invasive species, and then uh, those improvements on their on their own are going to be valuable to wild turkey, but then you could focus on, on more uh, specific efforts like establishment of a food plot, as an example. Okay. Well, you've clued us in a bit of, that uh, poult production has been good and we have good things to look forward to uh, by, say, 2023. Uh, is there anything more to add to the, the future on what we might expect uh, getting out there uh, 2023 and beyond? Well, what I, what I hope to hear from, from spring hunters in 2022 is that they were covered up in jakes. Um, and, and sometimes I get those calls, and that's, that's a positive thing. Uh, they're glad to see that. Uh, and sometimes I get those calls with, from the frustrated hunter who maybe was working a mature bird, and a, a group of jakes came in and, and ruined the whole hunt, uh, so to speak. Um, so... Because we had our, our index-suggested poult numbers were, were uh, much better in 2021, the first uh, or the next step, I should say, uh, would be I, I hope to hear that there were a lot of jakes on the landscape in spring. That would back up our, uh, our, our, our poult index in suggesting that reproduction was very positive, um, and, and that would be one more bit of evidence to suggest that spring 2023 we're going to see a, a much better spring turkey season. Yeah, very good. I'm looking forward to that too, Mark. And uh, believe me, I'll keep you posted on what uh, Don and I are seeing this spring, you know, up in Astabula County. I'm um, looking forward to a good, you know, spring turkey season, hopefully with some improved numbers for sure. So, yeah, yeah, that would be great. And I, I look forward to those reports. Yeah, very good. But uh, Mark, we're going to let you go here. Um, I know you could talk turkey all day long, and I can too, believe me. But I know we, we're both busy here. Uh, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your, your day here to talk turkey with us. Uh, we have a lot of listeners that are avid turkey hunters, and they'll be glad to hear that it's not all doom and gloom. There is some positive news here about Ohio's turkey population, and I'm glad to hear that because... Don knows I was ready to jump off the deck here this morning. <laughs> he was not happy. Yeah. Arrows pointing really up was. is a good thing. Yeah. 
I, I certainly appreciate the, the opportunity to, to talk wild turkey and, again, convey uh, both to you and your listeners that uh, it does appear that, that we see some positive things coming down the pike. Yeah. Uh, we certainly hope to be that that is uh, the case. Yeah, that, I'm glad to hear that too, Mark. That's great. So thank you again for your time, my friend, and uh, you have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Mark. It's been my yeah. pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we hope that was enlightening. Uh, that answered a few of the questions that we had, and hopefully some for our listeners as well. Uh, turkeys have been one of the great success stories in Ohio and in, in uh, wildlife restoration, but as we can see right now, uh, doesn't always go in a straight line up arrow all the time, and yeah. there can be setbacks. Yeah. No, I'm glad we had Mark on the show. Um, he did answer a lot of questions, and I feel a little better about the situation. I do. I, I think there's some light at the end of the tunnel here. Uh, we'll see this spring. I mean, I'm really interested to see what's going on out there this spring. And, I, and I'm willing to, you know, maybe maybe we won't see hear as many gobblers this year. I'm hoping next year and the year after we start to hear more and see more. But um, it's going to be really interesting this spring. So um, hopefully that's, you know, I know you, there's a lot of turkey hunters listening. Hopefully that's... Uh, you know, you enjoyed that and I answered some of your questions. So, but like Mark said, you got to have a little patience, you know, because yeah. uh, the numbers look good for a couple of years out. Yeah. Uh, if, if you know from listening to us, Chris and I aren't as patient as we'd no. like to be. No. Uh, no. Things take time to grow. That's uh, right. Trees take time, all that. Yeah. Uh, but so do turkey. Give the turkeys <laughs> a chance. Yeah. And uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I agree. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast. Uh, uh, we'll be back next month. We have a, a great podcast lined up for the month of April. Uh, it's going to be talking about evasive species, and we won't go any more detail on that, but we've got uh, a couple of good, great shows lined up for the coming months. So um, with all that being said, go ahead. Hey, one, one last thing. Sure. The ice is melting. If you don't have your fishing license, get it. It's yeah. time. Oh, yeah. So you go steelhead fishing here pretty soon. I'm ready to go here next week if it's uh, yep. the river's clear up. By so. the time you're hearing this, it's time to be having that lice hanging on you. That's right. License. That's right. Yep. So with that, Don, uh, everybody get out there in their 120 and do something.